immigrant values brought over by immigrants are so important to this country, to the success of this country, that we overlook how important immigrants look at the world in a very different way than, let's say, somebody who is second, third, or fourth generation here. Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, host of Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. ChrisKnoll.com. C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Sign up for email updates from my website, YourPositiveImprint.com. Thanks for listening. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? Sergio Troncoso is the son of Mexican immigrants. His parents came to USA in the 1950s and raised their children in El Paso, Texas. Sergio was an excellent student and found satisfaction when writing for the high school newspaper. Later, he would attend Harvard and Yale universities where his writing became more prominent in some of society's most popular publications. Sergio writes philosophically as he questions the basis of morality both in his fiction and nonfiction compositions. Often feeling condemned in academic circles and overlooked by those in society who turn away from moral questions and differing perspectives, Sergio asks the unpopular questions that modern society today and continues until maybe recently has ignored. He weaves societal issues into his stories with his characters experiencing a wretched hell, a hell that you and I hope to never endure, but you know, truly reality for some citizens of our world. Well, there are pressing issues within our communities worldwide that need to be addressed. Sergio writes with the hope that the reader will become involved with the characters And when the story ends, that the reader will continue to ponder the issues, different perspectives, and question, what is the basis of morality within our own communities? Sergio Troncoso, (laughs) welcome to my show, Your Positive Imprint. I am so excited to have you here. I've loved your books. Love you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Catherine, for inviting me to your program. I love chatting with you right before the program, and I'm eager to talk about my work or my new novel, Nobody's Pilgrims. Sergio gives credit to his success to the values of his parents. Both my parents were from Juarez, from Mexico, and they had these incredible values of hard work. You work until you drop. You do it again the next day, and you do it again the next day, and that is what you do. They believed in hard work, but that that value of hard work, I eventually learned to translate it into mental work, into pushing myself to reading extra books, reading in the summer, doing things that my high school colleagues were not doing. Because for me, it was, as my mother would say, there is no tired in my house. 
And, and I think those early days when I was in Isleta and very poor, I think the biggest influences were probably my Mexican grandmother from my mother's side who told these violent, exciting stories about the Mexican Revolution. And, and I loved hearing her stories. They were unfiltered. Listening to her stories laid a foundation for his own storytelling, his own aspirations. Sergio would be accepted into Ivy League schools, Yale and Harvard. His great-grandmother had this advice. Sergio, don't come back with your tail between your legs. This is what you wanted. Show them who you are. Sergio continued with those values of hard work. While on campus, there were times when he wanted to go home because of some negative interactions. But those are in the past, and today, Sergio is a prominent international author of both fiction and nonfiction with his most recent novel, Nobody's Pilgrims. It's about these three 17-year-olds, uh, Duty, who's a Mexican-American from, from El Paso, similar to me. He's a bookworm. And he, he loves to read, but he's very poor. And then he has a friend, Arnulfo, who's an un undocumented immigrant. And, and they meet at a chicken farm as they're working just simply to make some money. And Arnulfo is about to leave the next day to go to Kansas City. And he's hitching a ride with Juanito, a foreman at the chicken farm. And so when Duty comes home from that day of work, Something terrible happens. He has a bad family life. And, and he decides on the lark that he's going to hitch a ride with Arnulfo and Juanito in this truck. It's a, a, a blue Ford pickup. And so they, they, of course, find out very quickly, this is still the very beginning of the novel, that Juanito is probably carrying contraband in the truck. And the reason they find out is because Juanito bribes an immigration officer in the outskirts of Texas as they're, as they're pulling away in the highway. And they stop at a checkpoint and they see that he hands the immigration officer some money. So that begins the novel, really, in which Turi and Arnulfo steal the truck to get away from Juanito and these bad people. And they later meet Molly Crump, the, the third person in that cover, this poor white girl from Steelville, Missouri, a tiny little town who, who joins them and hitches a ride with them. And, and I think one of the things I'm saying in the novel, first of all, is that young kids have sort of a resiliency and a grit and a way to bond with each other that I think too often old, old people forget. You know, they, they become fast friends, just meeting each other for a day or two, and they're open-minded enough. They're not thinking, oh, this guy's a Mexican or, or she's a poor white girl from Steelville, Missouri. They simply connect through what they do with each other, that they help each other. Duty and Molly, for example, love wordplay. And he starts teaching her Spanish and she, she plays with, with words as well. And she loves to read as well. And they both love Mark Twain. So they start connecting in a way and forming this bond together that is, becomes so important in the novel. And, and of course, throughout all of this, as they're going across country, trying to escape these evil people, who want their truck back and what's in the truck, they, they never give up. All sorts of bad things happen to them. And people are after them. Narcos from Mexico, a blue-eyed blonde narco from Texas is also after them to get what's, what's in the truck. And, and they, they always help each other. Sometimes Molly saves them 
when they're in a difficult situation. Sometimes it's Arnulfo, the undocumented Im immigrant who saves them. And sometimes it's Duty, who's the one, he's, they're on this sort of semi-life raft and, uh, and they never give up on each other. They never give up on the dreams that they have. Arnulfo wants to send money to his parents and, and Duty wants to visit this idealistic Connecticut that he's read from books. And, and part of the novel is also this movement from the idealism of New England to the realism that they reach when they get to Connecticut, which is in some places in Connecticut, they don't want them there. They don't want Mexicans. And in other places, they're welcomed and, and helped by other people. And Molly is, is trying to find her place in, in the United States as well. And so, of course, all of this is happening in a, in a United States in the book that is collapsing because of a pandemic. And the, the interesting part about Nobody's Pilgrims, of course, is that all of it was written and turned in the final, final draft uh, on February 29th, 2020, before COVID had, before COVID even had the name COVID. And so in many ways, the, the book predicted the pandemic that was to follow. And it's a different pandemic. It's Marburg B and Nobody's Pilgrims. It's a pandemic transmitted with a virus through touch, not through the air like COVID. And, and it's about the grittiness and toughness and luck and love that, that forges the bond between these three that keeps them fighting for what they want. And so I think in many ways, this novel is about a realism and a toughness that that harkens back to my abuelita, how she survived a difficult social situation in revolutionary Mexico, and and how these three teens sort of, in some ways, replay that that sort of social chaos that's going on in this dystopian America, and how they believe in each other and fight for each other to create the country they want and the community they want. Sergio answers his own question, what is the basis of morality within our communities? And as a listener, what do you think is the basis of morality within your community? I believe the border has gone beyond the border. And what, what that means to me is that Mexican immigrants, Mexican Americans have gone beyond societies in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, the, the bordering states, and gone to Kansas City created communities in Minneapolis, created communities in Connecticut, and other places where there were not maybe a lot of Mexican immigrants. And so everything from the issues of assimilation to the issues of what values and what they bring to these communities, and sometimes even the hostility. Suddenly in a tiny little town in Connecticut, you might find Mexican immigrants, and there are some people who instead of engaging them as people and, and trying to integrate them into that community, are hostile to them simply because they look different or they might also know Spanish as well as English. And so all of these, I think, issues have gone beyond the border and are now part of a deeper uh, areas in the United States simply because you also have hundreds of millions of Latin Americans south of United States, whom will always be coming across. They will trying to make their American dream come true. And so I think that that issue of 
becoming part of society and what they bring in. It's not just the problems they bring, but I, I believe, just as I talked earlier, about the immigrant values that they bring that are so different from, let's say, the, the values of, of work in the United States. I think immigrants really are such a positive influence on looking outside the box, working harder than you can imagine, on focusing on families and working together. And, and all of these often are lost in American society. Once you sort of become entrenched, you start just seeing the other in, in these other newcomers. And I think instead of seeing the other, I think you should hearken back to your own grandparents and your old, old great-grandparents who came across with nothing and how they began and how they created the life that you are now allowed to, to lead. Um, but these immigrants are, are not that different in that way. I loved this book, Nobody's Pilgrims. It was one of those where you can't put it down. You have to know what's <laughs> going to happen. And there were a couple of things that happened that, oh my gosh, how could the author do this? <laughs> uh, I think it, it's those, those pressing issues, as you were talking about, within our communities that are worldwide, and it's not just in the border communities. These issues are everywhere, the contraband. Well, and then even like narcos, for example, you would imagine, oh, they're all Mexican or Latin American. And in fact, no, the, one of the main narcos here is a blonde, blue-eyed guy who is making a lot of money off the drug trade and his ancestors went to the Alamo. And so it, it, people don't realize that there are a lot of connections, international connections, and, and sometimes the bad people, of course, many times the bad people are not Latin American immigrants, but people making money off from, from the drug trade on this side that are not immigrants and that are not Latino at all. And so I think that's an important point. And, and I think, you know, I, wa I wanted uh, a realism to nobody's pilgrims, but also an excitement. I wanted it to move quickly. I wanted it to be exciting. I wanted to puncture a lot of balloons and, and, and get the reader really invested in these characters and believe in them. And then I also wanted to shock the reader. You, know, you did. <laughs> to, to open their eyes to what can happen. Because yep. I think some of the novels do this. Some of the novels do have tragedy embedded in them because, you know, it, it, it's, what they're going through is very difficult. And it's not easy. And to write something that's uh, sort of a beach read for me would, would be not truthful to the situation and not truthful to the characters. And yet all of the things that are happening to them, Duty and Molly find love, find a real connection with each other. And it's sort of a slow simmering kind of romance that as they, as they, spend more time together, they realize, oh my gosh, this person who's so different from me and from a completely different side of the world, we really connect in a way that's, that's almost like a soulmate. But it takes time for them to realize that in a way. And, I, and so I think the novel also has a lot of hope to it. I, I didn't write the novel to depress people. I wanted to write something real where there is real danger in what's going on with them, but also real hope because for me, that's, that's, that's the kind of hope people want. They want something that 
they've gone through the gauntlet, whether it's through COVID or through Marburg B, and they've come out the other side and, and they've survived. And, and that, I think, is more meaningful to any reader than, than something that's fake and contrived. Uh, and that's, that's what I was trying to do as a writer. Arturo, Tori, one of the things that was important for me was that he had values and morals, and they were being tried when he got into that truck. And so now his perspectives were forced to change what is the basis of morals in my society. And you have this quote from your personal essays, Crossing Borders, is love acceptance without questions or challenges? Right. It's interesting that you mentioned that quote, because I've always thought of what is love versus let's say parental love and for me my parents their love was tough love their love was high expectations they support they help but they expect me to work for it they expect me to sacrifice love is as much sacrifice and pushing you my parents would never praise us until we actually did something like we painted the room and did it well, and then they inspected it, and only then did they say, you did a great job, but because it's manifest. And so it's a very different kind of love than just sort of empty praise and empty likes and dislikes. I think that's fake. This goes to social media. Are you really an activist when you like a few things and post a few things on the computer versus you get out there and you protest for what you want? Our media culture, as, as in many ways watered down what we look up to in terms of either protest or love. And we've forgotten the realism of love. And by the way, I'm thinking about what forges a community, Turi, Mali, and Arnulfo, they don't create a community simply because they land on an island and everything is beautiful and, and they just start loving each other. They have to go through a gauntlet. Just like the original pilgrims, they had to go through suffering. They went through gauntlet after gauntlet to create a community. And that, that's really what Nobody's Pilgrim's about. It's about forming your character, forming what you believe in through pain and, and difficulties. And, and by the way, I, one of my favorite writers is Flannery O'Connor. And she wrote about how violence in her stories reveals character. You don't know who you really are until you're faced with a violent situation to either defend yourself or defend somebody else or survive a really dangerous situation. So for me, the violence is not just gratuitous. It is actually very Aristotelian. Violence or what either what you escape or what you survive reveals character. It's just another form of action, but it's extreme action. And Aristotle would say that your character is revealed through your response through your actions and through your response to actions done upon you. Just violence is just another extreme of that. And so I think Flannery O'Connor, without being too philosophical, definitely uh, wrote about that kind of uh, very difficult situations in the South in many of her stories. And that's what I mean by love. For me, when my parents praised me after doing a lot of hard work, I knew it meant something. 
And I remembered how my parents, who did love us, but they pushed us. And that's what their version of love was. You know, it's this sort of pushing and, and expectations about real achievements. Definitely teaching you self-responsibility also, yeah. which is part of loving ourselves is when we're responsible for making ourselves be the best that we can be. Now, you have all of these other amazing books. And again, Crossing Borders is your personal essays. I'm constantly writing. And sometimes I'm involved in these big projects that take years, typically novels. And then sometimes I have this idea, for example, just the other day, I have an idea for a character that I started dreaming about. And I keep thinking, this is going to be a short story because it's not a complicated situation, but this character won't leave my head. And I dream about my characters all the time, by the way. And that's kind of what happens to me. I, I follow my mind. And so the, the two short story collections I've written, the very first book I wrote, The Last Tortilla and Other Stories, which uh, Rudolfo Anaya gave the, the, the Premio Aslan to. It's one of the most important prizes I got as a young writer. And then the last short story collection I wrote, A Peculiar Kind of Immigrant Son, which came out a couple of years ago and did very well, won a few prizes. Uh, and, and I love the short story because it's almost akin to poetry. Everything has to happen within 10, 15, 20 pages. So it's very tight. And it's, it's a form that I uh, have always loved and probably will always love. And, and the two collections are very different. Where the last tortilla, I would write stories that would get published. And suddenly I had a book of 12, 15 stories and, and I threw it together and that became the last of T and other stories. And I really didn't know I, probably what I was doing as a writer, uh, you know, way back when, when that book was published decades ago. And, and the Peculiar Kind of Immigrant Son was very different. It, it's, a, it's a collection of 13 stories, but it's like a concept album. I don't know if you remember Pink Floyd, The Wall. Of course. <laughs> but it, it, was like, it was like that. I'm going to make a different short story collection in which every piece is a particular part of a puzzle on the same theme. So this uh, peculiar kind of immigrant son was we're all on themes of immigrants, but it's also on perspectivism. You know, I love Virginia Woolf and I love Frederick Nietzsche, who's of course a philosopher of perspectivism. And so in these 13 stories that appeared in the peculiar kind of immigrant son, you see different characters from different perspectives. So they appear in one story, and then in the next story, you see it that character from a different angle. And, and you start questioning yourself, like, who is this person that I am reading about? You know, did I, uh, you know, who, what is the right perspective? And, and for me, of course, it's about the perspectivism in my life. As much as I am a, a, a person who teaches at Yale and spent a lot of time in the Ivy League, I'm also still the kid from the border. I'm also still the kid who carried live chickens from trucks as his first job. I'm also a husband. I'm also, you know, a, a father to kids. And so I, I have a lot of different selves, so to speak. And I think all of us do. And I think a peculiar kind of immigrant son is playing on this concept that we all have different selves. For example, if I ask your husband who Catherine is versus if I ask your best friend, you're going to get a different angle of who you are, right? 
And and I think that that's what I was trying to do in a peculiar kind of immigrant son, write about immigrants, but also play with perspectivism. What do you feel are your positive imprints when it comes to your writing in which you're bringing to society? Well, I hope my positive imprints are look at poor people, people that you would otherwise step over or ignore, whether they're poor immigrants, poor Mexican immigrants, and pay attention to them in a curious way. Ask them about their lives, and you'd be surprised that these people who are often forgotten by society may actually have something to teach you that may help you in your life. And that's certainly how I felt about my grandmother, that anyone who's gone through a difficult uh, situation in life, oh my gosh, if you just listen to my grandmother through my stories, for example, you would learn how to survive, how to grit it through, and then how to celebrate at the other side. So I think that positive imprint of looking at at those who uh, we otherwise forget, I think that's very important. I think another positive imprint is about the importance of grit, the importance of toughness in surviving any situation, and, and then ha having that kind of real sense of joy when you get through a difficult situation is very positive. I've tried to teach that to my children. I just, in fact, just finished teaching a, a Yale Writers Workshop. And I have students who are 20-year-olds and some who are 40- and 50-year-olds, some, some of them who are published authors. They said, I lead one of the toughest workshops they've ever had, but they also had the most fun. I had these high expectations for my students. I work them as hard as I work for them. And then when they come out of the other side and they can create a new story from the the lessons that I gave them and from tearing apart the story, then showing them how to create their own voices, they know they have some real achievements at the end of that workshop that they can now turn to their own writing. And this is about the same sense of love. I could go and tell them, oh, everything is positive and beautiful and let me just affirm you. And, and so basically what I'm telling them is don't change anything in your story and they don't learn anything. Or... I could be a tough but supportive teacher and show them exactly line by line what they're doing wrong, how, they, how to improve it, and then make them work for it. And I taught them how to write and rewrite their own stories. So they have a real achievement at the end of that workshop. And I think that's, for me, trying to teach that tough love as a positive imprint. I would, I would say is, is one of the most important things that matters to me because that's real achievement. And as I tell my students, I'm going to teach you how to become a great editor of your own work and a great writer and rewriter. And so you, you won't need me anymore. You'll be able to do it all on your own. And, and that's a real positive imprint. That's what I would call it. It's getting in the trenches and showing them exactly what they need to do to improve themselves and improve their voice. If we're getting good writers out there, because reading for me is the learning experience and of course being entertained. And I am one that will read a book and then really think about things because I know that there are different realities out there, especially doing this podcast. I meet people all over the world 
and my listeners are all over the world, I am aware, very aware of, of some of the different societal issues around the world. And the borders are, we, it feels like we no longer have borders. It doesn't feel like it, especially doing this podcast, because it just feels like we're trying to support each other, at least hoping that people are, so that we can all get through our own realities when they turn for the worst. And I know you've, right. you've bared some of those worst realities in your own life. Well, I love talking to you. And for me, this is sort of the idea, the best idea of, of media is to reach beyond the electrons, to reach beyond borders, to reach people who you otherwise would not speak to. Because I think all of us need to cross more borders. And, and we can do this through media, we can do this through language, we can do this by engaging someone else from the other side of the world simply through media like this. And, and I think the more borders all of us cross, the more we will create this we, this community that we're trying to create. And so for me, that's so important. It's, it's something I've written about that in the United States, we are not a we. And, and the way we become a we is by talking to each other, demystifying what is a Mexican immigrant. You'll find out that there's not one thing, but there's so many things that that could possibly mean. And, uh, and I think reaching across borders from the immigrant perspective and then from somebody who's not an immigrant. I, I get letters and emails from people all across the world that, that tell me, oh, I really understand a little bit more about your culture, how you grew up, and, and what, how it can benefit me, even though I'm not an immigrant. But the lessons that you learned in terms of uh, your focus and your discipline, this is something that might be helpful to me. So I think all, as, as long as all of us are crossing borders through media, I think that's a very hopeful sign. That's what I think. That certainly would make you feel that, yes, those issues that are being ignored or have been ignored are being discussed a little bit more. You know, when you add a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, soon there's more and more than right. less. When I talk to immigrants, and of course, being in New Mexico, we have a lot of immigrants, they don't always talk about chasing the dream. They talk about leaving the anguish right. and trying to have a life where they're not feeling that they're looking over their shoulder all the time. Right. And for me, that's a unfortunate reality for people in countries who aren't leaving for the dream anymore. They're leaving for hope. And I know dream and hope can be used synonymously, but it's not the same when you're talking to an immigrant who is leaving to hope to just survive. Right. No, and it's true. Some of these countries have issues of safety. And they're coming over simply to escape mm -hmm. the violence or escape uh, the problems in their society. You know, the, the question will be for us, are we really still the answer? You know, I mean, in some, you know, you worry in some places where the gun violence here in this country is so astronomical and, and the, the gun ownership is so astronomical that is it going to be any different? We do have our own problems here. Are we still part of this dream or are we just going to continue the problems? Um, I think you know, Arturo, your, your character, 
Turik, he can answer that. It is about going from an idealism of of the United States or the the dream that Turi had at the very beginning to a realism of what Connecticut Connecticut is simply a placeholder for the American dream for what he believes in. And so by by the end of the novel, of course, they're in the real Connecticut where so where good things have happened and some terrible things have happened. And and they're still fighting for that dream. And so I think a lot of, of, of a nobody's pilgrims is about going from that idealism of what you think the dream is to the, the gauntlet and the realism that you face once you get to the other side. If you look at the first chapter, what he thinks love is, is not what he gets at the end, right? So instead of becoming an abstraction, right, his love, it becomes a reality and who he actually has to work with to create that community that he he and, and Molly want. And so so I think that it, there's a lot of that going on in the novel, going from the the sort of the vague and idealistic dreams of the young to the realism and the, the grittiness of, of people who become adults. Yes, and that's that is the sheer reality of life. So, Sergio, you are inspiring and your writing is inspiring and thought-provoking. And I appreciate that from you and entertaining. What are your last inspiring words? Well, I, I, I think my last words are that I really believe in my readers. I trust my readers that they will look at these characters in a careful way and, and, and really engage with them because that's how I'm writing. And, and I'm writing because I believe readers want kind of entertaining, but also sort of deep psychological, philosophical fiction that they can reread and get another layer of it later. And so I really do believe in, in my readers. And I, I am always grateful when somebody writes me these two or three page emails from Brazil or Sacramento and tell me about all of they got from Nobody's Pilgrims or Peculiar Kind of Immigrant Son or some of my other works, because it, I do put so many layers into them. And sometimes people get them and sometimes they just go right over people. Uh, and so I love it when I get this careful reader that really pays attention to all of these different things I'm doing in the work. I trust my readers. I think readers are my, the readers I like are the are very deep, intelligent, thoughtful readers. Well, I certainly appreciate you, and I, I think I fall right into that. <laughs> and Sergio Troncoso, I have so much enjoyed hearing from you personally now in person and author of many, many books and personal essays and publications out there, and most recently, Nobody's Pilgrims. Sergio, thank you again for being here on Your Positive Imprint. Thank you, Catherine, for inviting me to your show. It was terrific. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Part 2 with Sergio Troncoso. You can hear Part 1 with Sergio on Episode 180. To learn more, go to his website, sergiotroncoso.com. S-E-R-G-I-O-T-R-O-N-C-O-S-O. His books are available on Amazon, 
bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, and many other bookstores. Your positive imprint. What's your P.I.?